Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, the greatest radio shows of all time. Suspense. The Shadow Node. Washington calling David Harding, counter-spy. Classic radio theater. The Great Gildersleeve. Fibber McGee and Molly. Dragnet. Gunsmoke. The Lone Ranger. Now, step back into our time machine with your host, Wyatt Cox. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. An hour of adventure from February 7th, 1960. We start off in San Francisco, California. John Daner as Paladin in an episode of Have Gun, Will Travel. February 7th, 1960. There are a lot of people who are ripe to tear you down. All they need is a good enough reason. I'm going to give them that reason. Have Gun, Will Travel. Starring Mr. John Daner as Paladin. San Francisco. 1875, the Carlton Hotel, headquarters of a man called Paladin. Hey, boy. Oh, Mr. Paladin. Oh, I did not see you sitting there. Uh, hey, boy, I think you're up in Rome playing chess. Why are you down here? I'm waiting for my carriage. Carriage? Oh, oh no. Oh, my, no. Yes, and where have you been the last two hours? Oh, I get a carriage right away. No, no, wait a minute, hey boy. It's already been taken care of. Oh. It'll be here in a few minutes. Uh, would you mind taking this bag out for me? Oh, my. Oh, please forgive me, Sir Paladin. Hey boy, forget you leave this afternoon. Mm-hmm. But where have you been? Hmm? Oh, uh, uh, they have uh, trouble up on fourth floor. Uh-huh. Uh, 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 Missy Wong ask uh, Hey Boy for help, and uh, I'll take back out to front court now. <laughs> Miss Wong, uh, I knew I shouldn't have asked. Well, we better get out there. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, hey, what's the name of this place you go to in uh, Colorado Territory? Well, at least you remembered it was Colorado. The town's called Alder Bend. Oh, a nice place? I don't know. I've never been there before. I'll let you know when I get back. 
man named Ira Stokes had asked me to come to Alder Bend. He hadn't disclosed the nature of my assignment, but since he had offered me $1,000, I felt the least I could do was make the trip. It was early in the morning, and the main street was empty as I rode through to the livery stable at the far end of town. Just outside the stable door was a giant of a man, standing with his feet apart and his huge body braced as he methodically lashed out with a whip at a thoroughbred bay tied to the hitch rack. I dismounted and hurried toward him. Stop that! Who is it? What do you think you're doing? I said you stop it. You hear me? Look, you, whoever you are, I don't take to no one interfering in my business. I don't take to anyone beating a horse. This horse and me are going to get along just fine. Soon as he learns who is... You raise that whip once more and I'll use Nobody it Nobody talks to me like that. I'll raise his No, whip. no, you don't. You just give me that whip now. Give it to me. Give it to me. Now. Suppose you just move on. You're new here, mister. What's that got to do with it? This is my town. Nobody pushes me around. I wouldn't plan to stay too long if I was you. Hey, mister, you know who that is? I don't much care. There's Ira Stokes. Uh, Ira Stokes? Hmm... Uh, you want to board your horse? Are you going to be here long? Well, under the circumstances, I don't think so. Even before I received my assignment, it appeared that my business in Alder Bend was finished. However, I felt an obligation, or maybe just a curiosity, to show up at the Stokes Ranch at the appointed time. Just inside the main gate, there was a very pretty woman working in a flower bed. She glanced up at me as I rode by. I told her I was looking for Iris Stokes, and without speaking, she pointed towards the barn and quickly turned away. I rode on through the grounds. Mr. Stokes? What are you doing here? You sent for me. What are you talking about? My name is Paladin. Your paladin? You had a job for me. Well, you ain't the man for the job. Yep, you may be right. On second thought, maybe you are at that. I'm not one to hold a grudge if a man's useful to me. What's the job? I got a man I want you to kill. I'm not a hired killer. Worth a thousand dollars to me if a certain man wasn't in my way anymore. Sorry? Two thousand. Not interested. Three Look, every man's got his price. What's yours? Mr. Stokes, why is it worth $3,000 to you to have a man killed? <laughs> My method. Method? It's one way to tame a horse or a woman or a town. Let them know who's boss. And this works? It never fails. And I got my horses and my woman pretty well in line, and excepting for one man, I could have this town where it should be. Ah. But since this man won't get smart, I got to get rid of him now. You take the job? Nope. I'm not a hired killer, Mr. Stokes. Good day, ma'am. Thank you for your directions. Are are you Mr. Paladin? Yes. Is he where he can see me? Uh, No, no, he's on the other side of the barn. I'm Leah Stokes. Mr. Paladin, don't do it. Don't do what? Kill Carl. 
Well, I have no intention of killing anyone, but who is Carl? Carl Nielsen. You see, I know that's why my husband sent for you. Oh, no, no. I didn't accept his proposition, Mrs. Stokes. Oh, oh, that's good. Carl's decent. He's... Uh, you must excuse me, Mr. Paladin. Ira mustn't see me talking to you. From February 7th, 1960, Have Gun Will Travel, the conclusion next on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. Classic Radio Theater family, you know our friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by just creating the best pillow. He created the best bed sheets ever. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me because, you know, I'm working like 67 hours a day. Now, Mike's offering the best deal on this Giza Dreams bed sheets ever. You can get a set of Giza sheets for as low as $29.98. You'll never want to sleep on anything else once you sleep on a set of Giza Dream sheets. A special offer for you right now. You can get a set of Giza sheets for as low as $29.98. Call 1-800-928-4715. Use the promo code WYATT or go to MyPillow.com. Use the promo code WYATT. It's good on anything on the website. That number again, 1-800-928-4715. Use my promo code WYATT. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Now on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox, the conclusion of Have Gun, Will Travel, starring John Daner as Paladin, February 7th, 1960. Apparently, Leah Stokes had learned who was boss, and she'd more than likely learned it the hard way. I rode back into Alder Bend, and I felt very sorry for the town that, except for one man, was ready to knuckle under to Ira Stokes, and I wished that one man, wherever he was, a long and abundant life. As I started into my hotel, I noticed an office building directly across the street. The lettering on the window read, Carl Nielsen, attorney at law. I decided to pay him a visit. 
Uh, you Mr. Nielsen? Yes, sir. What can I do for you? My name is Paladin. Sit down. Thank you. Uh, my card? Have gun, will travel. <laughs> Thank you very much. I don't need any right now. No, no, I'm... I'm not soliciting business. I have a job. And that is, there's a job I could have if I wanted it. Oh? Yes. I could make $3,000. Sounds like a good deal. Uh Uh-huh. All I'd have to do is kill you. I see. Ira Stokes. You don't seem too surprised. No, I somehow felt this was his next move. What's behind this, Mr. Nielsen? Well, Ira had a pretty good thing going until I set up shop here. Uh Oh, Alder Bend has gone through a real tough period since the bottom fell out of the cattle market. Most people have barely managed to hang on. But once that railroad gets through, it's going to be different. Property around here is going to be worth something. Yes, I've seen it happen. Stokes was grabbing up every piece of land he could lay his dirty hands to, and most of it he fleeced from the people with one crooked trick or another. How could he get away with it? These ranchers don't have business heads. They don't know their rights, never read the fine print. Well, I've been reading it for them. Giving free legal advice to anybody who wants it. Uh-huh. Well, what do you get out of it? Just one thing. Satisfaction. I was raised in Alder Bend. The town deserves a better shake than it'd get if Stokes had the control he's after. Uh-huh. Well, Nielsen, I'm leaving in the morning. Maybe the next man who comes along will need $3,000 more than I do, so watch it. Thanks, Paladin. After dinner, I tried the one saloon open in town. There were two old men at a table in the far corner playing a game of cribbage. I was the only other customer. I had a beer, went back to my hotel, but I couldn't sleep. So I read a copy of Pilgrim's Progress somebody had left on the bedstand. Then I paced the room, looked out of the window. The town was silent, dark except for the one light that shone from Nielsen's office, and I decided to go see him. As I started across the street, I heard a shot, muffled and indistinct, and then I saw the crouched figure of a man run into the blackness between the buildings. Hey, you! Stop! Stop, I say! Nielsen! Nielsen. Hey, Carl. Got... Oh. Hey, what's going on in there, mister? Nielsen, he's been shot. Hey, why are you running? Come on back here. My shot had awakened the town, but there was no time for explanations. I felt sure that when I'd fired... I'd hit the man, but he kept on going. I took note of his direction and knew with time on my side I could head him off. So I ran to the livery. The stable hand was asleep on a cot in the corner. Hey, you. Hey, come on, wake up. Huh? 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 What's that? Come on, huh? come on, come on. I need my horse. You, uh, huh? What? My horse. Hurry. I have to get out of here. <sighs> oh, God, what's the matter with you, mister? Come on. <sighs> I'm here. Here he is, this stall. Now, where'd you hang my saddle? Well, what's your hurry? Will you just move? There's been a shooting. I don't have any time to waste. Shooting? Just get my bridle down, will you? But say, mister... Oh, you... never mind. Just 
Here. All right, now you get my saddle and hurry, will you? Come on, boy, keep your head down. All right, stranger. You're covered, so don't give us no trouble. Sheriff, this man come in here waking me up, talking about a shooting, and, and like how he has to get out fast. Yeah, I know, Charlie. Now stand back. We got him now. All right, stranger. Just get them hands up, and don't try anything. Say, what's the matter with you? Don't you realize that Nielsen's been shot? Sure, we know. B- but the man who shot him will get away. No, he won't. We got him, and we got him real good. Come on, let's have that gun you done the dirty work with. Now, look, Sheriff. Let's go. Here's your breakfast. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Sheriff. Yeah? I want to talk to you. What about? You've got the wrong man locked up. Look, stranger, I've been in this business 30 years. If I had a nickel for every time somebody behind them bars had told me that, I'd be a rich man. But what are you charging me with? Well, it's liable to be murder. How's Nielsen? He ain't good. He must have seen the man who shot him. He could clear me. Nielsen ain't talking any right now, and it's a chancy thing whether he ever talks again. Sheriff, the man who shot Nielsen has my bullet in him. I could have trailed him last night. We caught you dead to rights. You shot him and your getaway didn't work out. People like you all have crossed themselves up sooner or later. So why don't you just shut up and take what's coming to you? And just what is that? Well, we'll allow you all your rights by law. Circuit judge due to show up here another month or so. Another month? And we'll get up a jury, people here in town. There's one thing you might as well know. Carl was born and raised here, and Alder Bend is mighty proud of him. Folks ain't going to show much mercy to anybody that did him harm. I realized that my only hope was that Nielsen would clear me. But three days passed and he still hadn't regained consciousness. My cell had a high barred window and by standing on my cot, I could observe what went on outside. What I saw was disturbing. News of the shooting had spread. Alder Bend had come to life. The street was filled with men in groups talking, building up hate. I'd seen it before, when I was on the other side of the bars. Paladin? Yeah. Regardless of how I feel about things personally, I got my job to do here. And I don't like what's going on out there. Yeah. Well, I don't care for it myself. When men start working themselves up into a lynching, it only takes one little thing to trigger them. Yeah, I know that. Sheriff? Oh, Leah, in here. Sheriff, I want to talk to you. Well, all right. We'll go into my office. No, I want to talk to Mr. Paladin, too. Uh, Mrs. Stokes, I want you to know that I did not shoot Carl Nielsen. I know you didn't shoot him, Mr. Paladin. Three days I've been knowing this. Knowing Mr. Paladin was in jail for something he didn't do. Knowing Carl Nielsen might die. Hating myself for keeping quiet, but still afraid. And then this morning, Ira... Well, suddenly, I've just had enough... Suddenly, I'm not afraid anymore. What are you trying to say, Leah? Three nights ago, Ira came home with a bullet wound in his shoulder. He told me what he'd done. And I guess he was so sure of me, so sure I was too afraid of him to ever say anything. Sheriff, my husband shot Carl Nielsen. Ira? Yes. And I've told all those men out there, and now I'm telling you. Ira Stokes has bullied all of us long enough. I guess you'd better go out to the ranch and arrest him. 
Well, Leah... Get busy with those keys, Sheriff. If you're going to arrest Stokes, I want to be there. Hey, Sheriff, that looked like the whole 7th Cavalry was following us out of town back there. All citizens of these parts. I had to discourage them from trailing us all the way. They felt like you. If I was going to arrest Stokes, they wanted to see it. I guess the town has had enough of Ira, too. Yeah. Well, might as well check the house first. He's either here or in the barn. What's that? I don't know. It sounds like Stokes. Yeah, over there by the corral. Come on, let's go. Yeah. That horse is stomping him. Sheriff, I'll get the horse away. You drag him out. All right. No, no, easy, boy. No, no, no. Easy, boy. Easy, boy. Easy, boy. Easy now. Easy. Sheriff? Yeah, stomped him to death. Looks like that bay had enough of Ira, too. Travel. Created by Herb Meadow and Sam Rolfe, is produced and directed in Hollywood by Frank Paris and stars John Daner as Paladin, with Ben Wright as Hayboy and Virginia Gregg as Miss Wong. Tonight's story was specially written for Have Gun, Will Travel by Ann Dowd. Featured in the cast were Ann Morrison, Lawrence Dobkin, Tim Graham, Herb Bygren, and Vic Perrin. This is Hugh Douglas inviting you to join us again next week when CBS Radio presents Have Gun, Will Travel. The television show starring Richard Boone was very popular. CBS decided, let's add a radio version. So they did. John? Just a reminder, because I don't always have time at the end of the show to remind you to visit our webpage, which is classicradio.stream. You can stream our shows there. You can learn about building a classic radio collection of your own. You can contact me there. You can find our social media links, and you can buy me a copy. That buy me a coffee money doesn't buy me copy. It does help us acquire additional classic radio collections to bring you here on your favorite station. Uh, when the classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox continues following this break. Uh, we'll have an episode of Radio's Outstanding Theater of Thrills Suspense from this same date, 
February 7, 1950, and The Mystery of Marie Roger. That's when Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox continues in a moment. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. Now, a little Edgar Allan Poe, The Mystery of Marie Roget, an episode of Suspense, as originally broadcast February 7th, 1960. And now, another tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. Mary Cecilia Rogers was murdered in the vicinity of New York City in the summer of 1842 was still an unsolved crime in November when The Mystery of Marie Roget was published. The author, Edgar Allan Poe. It paralleled in every essential detail the murder of Mary Rogers. Poe wrote it far from the scene of the atrocity with only the newspaper reports of the day. Nevertheless, the subsequent confession connected with the murder of Mary Rogers confirmed not only the killer named by Poe, but all the chief details by which he arrived at his identification. Good evening. My name is Dupin. I should like to extend an invitation. Regard first a certain event which truly occurred in New York City on a warm summer night in 1842. Secondly, I invite you to employ your imagination and displace that same event intact with all of the essential facts to a cobbled old-world Paris on an identical warm and fragrant summer night in the same year. Lastly and most interesting, I should like to invite you to attend that event. It is a murder. (laughs) The general design and mental character of the atrocity Indeed, the first knowledge of its occurrence came to my attention on Wednesday night, the 25th day of June. Who is the prefect of police? I am, monsieur. Uh, Dupin? Yes, monsieur. Oh, thank you for coming, monsieur. I wasn't certain my messenger would find you. No, this way, monsieur. Please. André, the lantern for monsieur Dupin. She died harshly. Yes, yes, yes. Beaten, choked, drowned. Oh, yes, quite harshly, yes. She was beautiful, monsieur. Once, perhaps, yes. Still. But Mademoiselle what? In life she had a name. In death she must also have a name. Any of you? Monsieur, none of them know her, I have asked. But her clothes and jewels say she was known, Dupin. Good clothes, torn and disordered in her terrible struggle, but good. 
And the jewelry, not expensive, but tasteful. This woman, in my opinion, Dupin, was known. And loved, Monsieur Prefect. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, Dupin, this is why I sent for you. Mm? I have been through these things before. The newspapers will write stories. Their reporters will make conjecture. Um, although there is no name for her now, there will eventually be a name. And then, Monsieur, I will be called upon to produce her assassins. <laughs> There is so little to go on. The eyes of the public will be upon me, and my honor is at stake. And my honor, too, Monsieur Prefect, if I am involved in the investigation. Dupin, listen. There is a fund at the Prefecture, a sizable fund, which I am authorized to use when circumstances arise. For your services, I am willing to make a direct and liberal proposition. Dupin, you will help me to find the answer to this woman's death? about the mouth, as in the case of the merely drowned monsieur, air bruises, impressions of fingers. It was a strangulation by hand and by this card, monsieur. Yes. Doctor. Le Supin? An ingenious knot in that cord, don't you think? This is a slip knot, a sailor's knot. Sailor's knot. She was found in water. Why did she die, monsieur? For her beauty, perhaps, for love, for hate... It was Sunday. Huh? Observe, doctor. There are no marks to prove she was wetted and then shaken loose. Yes, she quit life on Sunday. Murdered in the dark, thrown into the river, unweighted. Monday, Tuesday, she remained as a corpse, will on the bottom. And then on the third day, tonight, as a corpse, will, she rose. She was murdered on the bank, then taken out to her grave in a boat. And there had to be a man who knew how to handle a boat in the tricky current. Who is there? It is I, the prefect. I have someone who thinks he may know her. Come in, monsieur. Ahead of me, please. With your permission, doctor, monsieur Dupin, monsieur Beauvais. How do you do? How do you do? Monsieur Beauvais has been searching since Monday for news of a Marie Roger. Mademoiselle Roger is an employee of monsieur Beauvais, correct, monsieur? Yes, I am a perfumer. I called on her mother, Madame Roger, Monday when Marie did not appear at my shop. Madame informed me that Marie had left Sunday to visit her aunt at Rue des Drômes. She has not yet returned. I see. And what else? Well, I cannot say, monsieur. So far, I have ascertained that she never arrived at Rue des Drômes. And indeed, no one has seen her since Sunday. Not even Jacques Saint-Eustace. Who is Jacques Saint-Eustace, Beauvais? Monsieur Saint-Eustace is the accepted suitor of Marie Roger. He lodges and takes meals at the pension kept by Madame Roger. He was to have gone for his uh, betrothed at dusk Sunday and to have escorted her home. In the afternoon, it rained heavily, and supposing that she would remain at her aunt's, he did not think it necessary to keep his promise. She has stayed there under similar circumstances. And where is Jacques Saint-Eustace at this moment? Searching and anxious as I am for Marie Roger. But where he went, I do not know. It is three days since Sunday. Four days, really. But three that Marie Roger has been considered missing. Your search is tardy. Uh, I know, monsieur... Well? I am at your mercy. She has disappeared twice. Ah. The first time she disappeared was about uh, three years ago. Her mother or friends were unable to account for her disappearance. I was distracted with anxiety and terror. Mm, did you notify the police? In that case, immediately, sir. But suddenly, Marie reappeared one fine morning after being absent a whole week. 
So you did not call the police this second time she disappeared? Well, what has happened once, it can happen again, monsieur. What did happen that week she was away? I do not know. I do not honestly know. But you doubt the story of visiting a relative? I will not say. Show him what we have, doctor. If you will kindly step over here, Monsieur Beauvais. Now, Monsieur Beauvais, if you please. Do you know this woman, sir? It is her! It is Marie Roger! Oh, it is her! Poor little Marie! Poor Marie! Why does Beauvais cry, Dupin? The girl only worked for him. Ah, he has not told us all. He is suspect, Dupin, and I will have a word with him. Huh? Stay. But Dupin, why does he weep for a shop girl, a grisette who is promised to another? He weeps for youth and beauty. In just a moment, we will return for the second act of... Suspense. February 7th, 1960, Suspense on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. Now on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox, the conclusion of the mystery of Marie Roger, an episode of Suspense, February 7th, 1960. Dupin again. You will recall the event we have been attending in Paris. I invite you now to keep in mind this solemn fact that Marie Roger died violently. That her lover, Jacques Saint-Eustace, is missing. Where she died, who administered her death, for what reason, remained to be known. Attend at this point another event, if you will, which was arranged by that zealous and righteous man, the Prefect of Police. Ah, thank you for coming, Dupin. You have located the lover, Saint-Eustace? Saint-Eustace? Oh, no, no, he's unimportant, I assure you. Somewhere right now he drinks and tries to forget. <laughs> but what I have here is important, most important. Uh, Madame Dulac, if you please. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. This is Madame Dulac. She has something of interest to tell you, and I have something of interest to show you. Good evening, madame. I have maintained this tavern many years, right here, close to the bank of the river. No fear with me, madame. I have no authority to do anything but respect your person and your thoughts. What is this information? I saw a young woman here Sunday. Monsieur says it was Marie Roger. It was, definitely. Just a moment. Sunday? Yes, mid-afternoon. And later, perhaps. Where? Right here in my tavern. She arrived accompanied by a young man of dark, swarthy complexion. The two remained here for some time. On their departures, they took the road through some thick woods. That way. Toward the river, Dupin. And this is a secluded neighborhood. Oh, go on, madame, go on, go on. Soon after they left, a gang of miscreants made their appearance here. They behaved boisterously. They ate and drank without payment. Then left and followed the route of the young girl and the young man. That same way. I see. About dusk, the same gang reappeared and recrossed the river in great haste. I see. And you are certain it was Marie Roger? Never fear. My men spoke with an omnibus driver, a man named Valence, who knew Marie Roger. He claims he saw her cross the Seine on the Sunday afternoon in question with a swarthy man who fits the exact description of Madame. What else, monsieur? I will show you. Come on.
I followed him through the back of the tavern into the thick woods which lined the Seine at that point. He stopped when we had come to a cross thicket, within which were three or four large stones, forming a kind of seat with a back and a footstool. Note, Dupin. A white petticoat here, and here a silk scarf, parasol, gloves, pocket handkerchief. Inspect the handkerchief, Dupin. Thank you. You know the name Marie Roger embroidered there? Yes. So this is the place she met her death. Of course it is, and I have found it. Look, the earth is trampled where she struggled, and over here, bushes still broken. Every evidence of a terrible struggle. And here, the fence has been taken down. And the ground shows that some heavy burden was dragged along in, eh? Toward the river. Come, look for yourself. Ah, what do you say now? I am wondering. Wonder? We have facts now, sir. Important facts. Do you recall a strip of one of the unfortunate girl's petticoats had been tied about her mouth? Probably to prevent her screams? I do. This was done by fellows who had no pocket handkerchiefs. Miscreants, Dupin. Miscreants such as those who visited Madame Dulac's tavern and later went the same way as Marie Roger and her companion. There are many such gangs about here. <laughs> now, all we have to do is locate them, and I know how to do that. the shrill cries of the Paris newsboys proclaimed the prefect's resolve. He offered a reward of 20,000 francs and a full pardon for any king's evidence. It was an accepted conclusion that Marie Roger had been waylaid and slain by a gang of miscreants in the vicinity of Madame du Lac's tavern. <laughs> well, now you defeated Monsieur Dupin, now that I have solved the mystery of Marie Roger? No, Monsieur. <laughs> I have doubled the reward. Soon one of the miscreants will come forward. Then you will see. 40,000 francs should be temptation enough. <laughs> 20,000 was temptation enough. <laughs> what? No one will come forward, sir. A gang such as he is hoped for would be composed of men who have never seen more than a 100 francs at one time. 20,000 would bring all of them, if they had any knowledge of Marie Roger's murder. They are just waiting, you know that? Waiting? When each is in jeopardy because of the other? Oh, we shall see, Dupin. Wait. It was one man. Huh? A man who dragged the body of Mademoiselle to the river's edge. A gang, even two men, could have carried it. <laughs> a gang would have lifted it over the fence easily instead of taking a fence down, as it was taken down. One man labored hard. My conjecture is as good as yours. Are you talking of Saint Eustace? No. He is quite unguilty. Monsieur, allow me to point out that the newspapers, the police, all have identified themselves with what apparently happened. We must consider what did not happen. First, a gang did not set upon her and murder her. Secondly, Marie Roger had no intention of visiting her aunt at Rue des Drômes when she left her mother and lover last Sunday morning. Dupin, if you have confidential information, explain yourself. I have the same information as you, nothing else. You said she had no intention of visiting her aunt that day. Why do you say that? Monsieur, consider what might have happened if her intended Jacques Saint-Eustace had called for her at her aunt's and discovered she was not there, that she had not been there all day. He would have been chagrined, suspicious, angry. Saint-Eustace would have been all of these. Something for Marie Roger to worry about when she returned home. 
But nothing to worry about if Marie did not intend to return home. Mm, a point to consider, perhaps. Go on. Consider that she kept a rendezvous instead. This we know. A rendezvous with a swarthy man. We have been told by two witnesses who saw him. Now, monsieur, I ask you, as I have asked myself, did this swarthy companion allow Marie to be slain before his eyes? Or was he himself slain trying to help her? If so... Where is his body? He left her before she was set upon, obviously. Did he leave her alone in such a dark district? Would they quarrel? Indeed they did. Another question. Marie Roger's death is known everywhere in France. Why has he not come forward to help us clear up the mystery? For many reasons. Uh, perhaps he's married. Uh, he has left. He's uninformed. He's... He has a swarthy complexion. A sea complexion. A well-attested fact. Now accumulate that with the cord that was tied about her neck in a sailor's knot. Monsieur Dupin, I and cannot... And the need of a skilled boatsman to handle a boat on the river to dispose of the body. But it could be anyone. No, it could not. Huh? Marie Roger was a gay, not an abject girl. And no common seaman for her. An officer. A naval officer, monsieur. Like the one who might have led her into a false elopement the first time she disappeared. Three years pass. The approved time for a French man of war to consume encircling the globe. The officer returns, thinking of the same coquette, Marie Roger, the same bargain. What he has managed to do once, he can do again. Marie meets him Sunday for this purpose. Then she thinks the better of an elopement and refuses to accompany him. Saint Eustace has captured her love. Her former lover slays her in quick anger. And he drags her body to the river. Come and dear's a boat and... Where do I find him? And whatever ship has arrived from the world cruise. His name? What is his name, Dupin? Inquire for the name of the young officer who has applied for leave to get married. But there must be many such among a ship's compliment returning after a long cruise. Agreed. But, Monsieur Prefect, there is only one naval officer who has returned to his ship without a bride. Entrez! André, we leave at once for the naval yards. It has been an interesting evening. And now I issue a last invitation, my friends. I invite you to retain all that you have heard. And employ this time, instead of your imagination... Uh, your uh, sense of reality. For Marie Roger of Paris was truthfully Marie Rogers of New York. Let your reality move you back to New York City on a winter day, some months after the event described in the darkening afternoon inside a gray stone building. I invite you to attend another event. I think you will find it significant. Ensign Robert Bryant Wilson. You have been found guilty of the murder of Mary Cecilia Rogers. It is the judgment of this court that you be hanged by the neck until you are dead. Suspense. You've been listening to The Mystery of Marie Roger, a story by Edgar Allan Poe, written for Suspense by E. Jack Newman. 
heard in tonight's story were Jackson Beck as Dupin, Bob Dryden as the Prefect, and Guy Rapp as Beauvais. Others in our cast included Abby Lewis, Jim Bowles, Ethel Everett, and Ronald Dawson. February 7th, 1960, Suspense on Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Would you do me a favor and thank this radio station and support their advertisers? It is their kindness and courtesy that allows us to be with you each and every time we roll around here on your favorite station. Uh, Would you also visit my webpage, classicradio.stream? There you can stream our programs on demand. You can find all of our social media links there. Uh, You can learn more about building a classic radio collection of your own. And you can contact me there, classicradio.stream. That's classicradio.stream. A lot of people are wondering, where are the podcasts? Well, the podcasts are still out there, just under a different name, and I can guarantee you they're available at iHeartRadio, they're at Spotify, they're at Spreaker, they're at Amazon, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Just search for Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox. Have yourself a great day, won't you please? Tell all your friends the great radio shows are right here at this spot on the dial. Classic Radio Theater with Wyatt Cox on your favorite radio station.